Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Brought to you by Coordination.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko, joined, as always, by our founder, fearless leader, the damn good-looking, dashing and debonair, John Damn Johnston. Hi, John. <laughs> I didn't know if that was my cue to actually talk. You, you, I'm great. I'm wonderful. Everything's just... Fucking unbelievably great shit. Okay. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> you know, I, you know, right before this, right before this, I'll tell you this. Right before this, I was trying to deal with the cover design for my book. I was all ready to go with the cover design of my book, and my wife went on her Kindle and pre-ordered the book, and we discovered that the red text in the title doesn't show up up, up at all on Kindle. And I just flipped out and went into anxiety because that's what you do when you're doing this kind of shit. And uh, I didn't sleep most of the night. And then just a few minutes ago, I got something back from the cover designer saying, that's the reddest red we can do. In other words, he didn't understand a damn thing I told him. I don't know why. Maybe I miscommunicated. I'll blame myself. That's what I do most of the time. That's why I suffer from such anxiety. And my ego is so weak that sometimes... I can barely get out of bed in the morning. Well, we're here. We're here to help. This is, uh, everybody's heard of intervention. This is a John intervention. And this entire episode is going to be solely dedicated to making you feel better about yourself, John. No, it, no, it's not. That's creepy. No, no, John. Nate's already rolling his eyes. We're you here know, for you. He's angry. And you're just kind of weird, Greg. I By the a, way, if you listen to this, you can't see it, but we're all using Zoom videos, and these people do weird things. And, uh, you know, Greg rolls his eyes at me a lot, and nobody can hear him. Uh, otherwise, I'm doing – I guess I didn't even introduce Nate, but Nate's with us this week. And who else? Um, and then there's that other Todd guy. That's joined us quite a few times now. Has almost become a regular. Well, he is kind of a regular. Uh, I am how a regular. Are you guys, how are you guys doing in our 983rd day of the pandemic? Did you? How do you keep track of that? Is there a website that tells you that, or it feels that way? I go by feeling. Oh, Nate. Okay. I feel things. Oh, 908. Okay, I didn't even think about the number. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel things in, in my heart and in my head much okay. more sensitive than a normal person. Um, fantastic. <laughs> Todd, go ahead. Well, it certainly could be 938 days. I feel like I've aged at least that much since this thing's been going on. Um, yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it wears on you. I'm not saying anything that other people haven't experienced. Uh, but, uh, you know, 
you, you just do what you can, I guess. You do what you can to keep your spirits up. And, you know, all of us have football in common in terms of the fact that we, we enjoy the sport very much. And so people are playing, and I guess we look forward to Saturdays. And it won't be long till Nebraska's playing. Hey, you know what else? You know what else I look forward to? I look forward to Sundays because uh, my Green Bay Packers are just kicking the shit out of people. Uh, you know, I, I haven't watched the NFL a lot in the last few years, but this year, this year I have rediscovered the joy and the creativity and the freedom of the NFL. And then, and then it's funny when Aaron, Aaron Rodgers uh, somewhere, I can't remember what show he was on, said this week, that his down years are other quarterbacks' career years. And uh, I thought that that was not only funny as hell, but factual and suck it, you Vikings fans. So there went a third of our podcast listeners right there. <laughs> I've paid attention to the NFL more this year than I have in years myself. I don't know. I've caught Aaron Rodgers two or three different times, and it seems like every time I see him, he's got that smart-ass grin on his face. You know, just because he scorched people. I mean, you know, he's a cocky, arrogant mother, but he can play. He can play, and he's exciting to watch. And you know, if it if it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes lighting everybody up, you know, Aaron Rodgers would be prime time viewing. Nate, Nate just looks disgusted by this whole conversation. No, I, I, I so how are you a Packers fan? How am I a Packers fan? Yes. Uh, I you live in two, Minnesota. I know you I grew have, up. You, go ahead, sorry. I have two older brothers, okay? Uh, they were older enough than me that they both – one of them went to Vietnam, and one of them graduated, in, I think, in 1965. And if you remember those years, Nate, the late 60s, uh, the Green Bay Packers won the first two Super Bowls, and they were winning all the time. And the only thing we had in our house was – Green Bay Packers stuff. That was the only NFL team I knew. When I went to school in first grade, one of my friends said, everybody had to pick an NFL team. And we had Dallas Cowboys guy and St. Louis Cardinals guy and I don't know what else. And the only team I knew anything about was Green Bay Packers. So I said, I'm Green Bay Packers guy. And then for 30 years, uh, they sucked eggs until Brett Favre came along. And then they got good again. And it was kind of nice. You know, so that's how I'm a Packers fan. Then I moved to Minnesota, and what I discovered is that you really don't even know the joy of being a Packers fan until you live in Minnesota. <laughs> you know, John, it's weird. I haven't heard a single thing about the Packers since I've joined Corn Nation. And all of a sudden, you, and all of a sudden you bring to, him up. It's I weird. try to stay on topic. I try to, you know, I try to not – have you not been paying attention? I jab the Vikings all the time. No, but you you don't talk about the Packers. They didn't have a great year last year, and I didn't hear a single thing from you. So I just because we had me... Nebraska football, you shithead. <laughs> we were literally just we talking Nebraska about sports, and when we didn't have Nebraska football, you know what else we had, Nate? You know what else we had last year? We had Nebraska volleyball. Thank goodness. Why would I talk yes. about Aaron Rodgers when Lexi's son is on the court? Easy <laughs> slugger. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Why? 
We're going to get uh, some so, angry tweets about football? that one. Got any football to talk about or what? Uh, there was football last week. Hey, Nebraska what happened? Football. What happened? Number nine, Texas fell down on their face and Texas isn't back anymore. Aren't they back uh, every year for like a week and a half? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Sounds like the Texas fans are screaming they want Urban Meyer to come and take over the Texas Longhorns. Let, let me guess. You guys didn't watch any college football this last weekend, and I did. I watched Iowa State, Oklahoma. I did. Oh, that was fun. What that happened was, there, Todd? I went pumpkin picking. Yeah. <laughs> Iowa State beat Oklahoma. In Ames for the first time since 1960. Furthermore, since I, that's even older than me. That is even older than that me. That is older than me. I, yeah. want, I want to piggyback on this because this is the first year since 1931 that Oklahoma has lost to both Iowa State and Kansas State in the same season. <laughs> so. I think that's pretty cool. It looks like the Big 12 has been eliminated from the college football playoff, and it's not even the middle of October yet. Uh, People are going to make an argument for Oklahoma State if they run the table. They're not running the table. The Big 12 is a hopeless suck of mess. (laughs) What what about TCU? What? TCU. Got beat by Iowa State. Oh, you're right. Never mind. Sorry. So what yeah, about Iowa State? The only undefeated team. What about Iowa State? Yeah. No, they lost the first game. First to, game to Louisiana. Yeah. The Cajuns, the Raging Cajuns, beat them. Yeah, but they're running the table, and that's all right. I guess the other big news from the Big Twelve, though, is that Les Miles tested positive for COVID nineteen. Apparently, field turf might carry the virus if he's chewing on field turf rather than natural gas grass. <laughs> Natural gas. <laughs> well, it's natural gas. Yeah, that could be too. It, it, I, I, you know, it would make sense that uh, the the ground would carry the virus, wouldn't it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know what to believe anymore. Baylor shuts down now because of COVID. They've shut down all football activities. Um, Who has not shut down, Todd? Who has not shut down? Nebraska has not shut down. No, there's another state that hasn't shut down. Florida. It's going to allow 55,000 teams, fans. In the- Florida. Florida. They're going to allow it, but they, they already said that they're not going to go more than like 12 grand, 12,000, I think. So. At, at the University of Florida? Uh, yeah. The, that I was from... They said earlier the Dolphins are going to open up for 55,000. Really? Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you, you know, like, you know, we're all varying degrees as far as how this virus goes. And, you know, one to 10, 10 being you've not left your bedroom, you know, one being you're licking people's faces type of deal. Uh, I'm on the, you know, I don't take it as seriously as some people do. I'm not saying it's not serious, but I'm just trying to you know, give you different grades or whatever. And I think that's just a bad idea. <laughs> you know, so, I think uh, it's a horrible idea. Yeah, I, 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 think I, it's Florida. A, I think it's a great fucking idea because I don't live in Florida. Nate, I think it's time you tackle a seven-year-old. 
And you know, it, it, you know damn well that uh, if you live in Florida, the, the one thing you'd like to have happen is probably more old people die. I don't think they're going to dolphin games. No, but you know the people that go to the game will then go home and they'll they'll go to rest homes and retirement communities and wait. Let's do do the dolphins get fifty five thousand fans on a normal under normal circumstances. That's a good point, Greg. You're thank you. You you know it's kind of like Kansas. Didn't Kansas come out? Kansas football came out saying, "Yeah, we're going to allow all these fans in the stadium." And people are like, you know, you're not going to get any fans anyways, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, go ahead and allow, you know, 50 grand in the stadium, but you're only going to get like five, you know. So, you know, I guess back to Florida, though, the, the guy who should be the governor of Florida has COVID now. And he's an old guy, Bobby Bowden. His, uh, I think, what, he's 93, maybe? Did I, I don't know if that's right or not, but Bobby Bowden is positive. Wow. So, Is he really 93? Might be. Uh, who knows? I yeah. don't know. I, uh, that, that might not be right, but I, I thought that's what I saw. He's, he was born in 1929. 90. So 90. He's 90. 90 years old. 90 years old. You know, that is, uh, that is, uh, that's impressive that, uh, you know, you're around football and you live that long, I guess. Yeah. Well, how old, uh, well, Dr. Good luck Tom again? Bobby Bowden. It's, it, if he watched his own off team's offensive line, he'd probably kill him. So I hope he's not watching FSU. <laughs> not watching Florida State's pretty fucking horrible. Is what it is. Uh, no, there were some there were some fun games last weekend. You know, we're we're down to what now? Two weeks, and we get a play. Yep. I haven't looked at the schedule. Are there any Big Ten games that play before Saturday? Is anybody playing on Thursday or Friday? I don't believe so. I think I think the twenty fourth is the start. It's the big kickoff for the conference. Wall to wall coverage on the Ohio Big Ten State, Network. Big noon Saturday. Yeah. I have a question I have a question for you guys. Okay. Okay, so last week, we're like all mellowing out here. <clears throat> so last week, I, I interviewed my close personal friend, Ramsey Nasrella of 11 Warriors, and uh, we talked about Ohio State football. And one of the things Ramsey brought up was that when Urban Meyer came to Columbus, there were a lot of old-timey Buckeye fans that were concerned because he was bringing the spread offense to town. and. And they're all about Ohio State running the football and playing tough, mean three yards of clouds of dust and and kick-ass Big Ten football. And he said that, you know, he pointed out that Urban Meyer runs a power spread, which he does, and that kind of mollified the crowd. But my question to you guys is this. Does Nebraska football need to run the ball successfully? Not to win necessarily, but to appease the people of Nebraska or to keep with the identity that they established through the Osborne years and the winning years and the 25 to 30 years of complete success we had. Do we, does Nebraska need to run the football? Is it a requirement? Who had their Nate. hand up first, me or Nate? Nate. Oh, okay. That's what I get for paying attention. 
You know, I, I was at Bill Callahan's first game, and you know, I have no idea who's against. But I, for whatever reason, I still remember we get the ball on offense. I don't, know if, I don't know if it's right away or if it was after the defense. You know, anyway, regardless, case. Okay, so they they line up in a formation and they. Um, and then they have motion this way and then motion the other way, a bunch of motion just for one play. And the crowd started going crazy. Like, yes, pro offense, you know? And so, I, you know, if you win, I don't think Nebraska is going to care. The fact is we're not winning. We, we've got, what, like I said, 13 games. We've won 13 in the past three years. And so we're like, what we need to do is get back to what we were used to, what we used to be good at when I was running the football. Now, if, you know, if Frost had been winning nine games a year, 10 games a year, then maybe there wouldn't be any concerns about the offense anyways. Uh, I think he wants to run the ball 60% of the time. And I think this year he's going to run the ball as much as he can because especially if, you know, who knows what's coming, what's going on with Omar Manning, but our wide receiving core, is Wandale Robinson, uh, Chris Hickman, and that's it. Oh, okay. Cade Warner, sorry. And a bunch of unproven guys. And uh, But I think he wants to run the ball as much as possible because it just like, you know, Wisconsin when we play them, was it, it, was, uh, it was a couple of years ago we returned that pick six against them, and then they ran it like 25 times in a row and destroyed us. I mean, it's just, that's probably not an answer to your question, but anyways, that's what I was thinking, I guess. Yes, Greg. I was going to supplement uh, Nate's response. The first game of the Frank, or not Frank, the uh, Bill Callahan era was against the Western Illinois Leathernecks. Now, uh, of course, that we all know that was a 56 to 17 win. Everybody was excited. Then we lost a week later to Southern Miss. People were less excited. Um, that was 2004 in a nutshell, right there. Um, but uh, I want to. I just want to compound what Nate's saying. At this point, if the the win column is growing exponentially faster than the loss column, I don't think at this point people will care how those wins are are being achieved. John, I, I guess I personally, my favorite brand of football is the physical smash mouth, run the damn ball. Um, and, you know, that is Nebraska's identity. Now, should, should Nebraska just run the ball for the sake of their identity? I don't know. I hear, you know, Chattel and Sipple and all these other professional sports writers you know, whining that Nebraska doesn't have an identity. Well, you know, I, I, how important is that? I agree with these other two guys. If you start winning, are people really going to care that much? But I do think that there's merit to running the ball, and I hope that Nebraska runs the ball. Um, the high school team that I followed for the last 11 years runs a wing tee, and they have since 1993. And that is their identity. And they continue to run the wing tee. 
and they're able to be successful with it. Now, you know, people could argue the last few years they haven't been as successful, but is that time to throw out the sink and go to something completely new? I, I don't know. But I can honestly tell you that I wish and I hope that Scott Frost puts a more physical running game in place for selfish reasons, because that's what I like to watch. I, that's the kind of football I really like to watch. So, so what do you think those guys are saying when they when they say Nebraska doesn't have an identity? <clears throat> what is that code for? You know, I, I guess I haven't given it a whole lot of thought other than the fact they're not running. Maybe maybe they don't have an identity or their 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 rationale is it's because they're not running the ball. I don't I don't know. Um, you know what? What is Alabama's offensive identity? What is Iowa's? Is Iowa's offensive identity that they are a ball control pro style offense? Is that, is that Iowa's offensive identity? Is the air raid wing it and zing it? You know, um, I don't know. Um, well, I always, I always thought that when a, pro, a sports writer said the team didn't, didn't uh, have an identity meant that he couldn't identify what plays they were running. <laughs> you know, most of us, most of us wouldn't, 90% of us wouldn't recognize an inverted veer. We wouldn't re- re- recognize a counter tray, a counter, you know what I mean? They right. wouldn't recognize about 98% of the plays, but if you line up in an eye and run a triple option. Everybody in Nebraska immediately runs, knows what you're running. They recognize the formation and they go, Oh, look, it's what we've done for 80 years. Even though Osborne really didn't run that offense that tremendously often. They, well, it, it, it used to be like you'd hear people talking about, you know, especially at the beginning of a game, you know, when uh, announcers would come on and they'd kind of give the little overview of the teams that are playing, you know, they might say something like, you know, this team runs a multiple offense. Well, back in the day, a multiple offense tended to be one that was kind of a balance of running the ball and passing the ball. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, again, since, you know, you have to be able to, it, does it have to be something that you can put a label on it? Um, wasn't Callahan's offense a quote unquote West Coast offense? What's a West Coast offense? The way I understand it, a West Coast offense, you know, basically the idea is to spread the field wide with short passes underneath, you know? But how is that different than the air raid, which Mike Leach runs? I don't know. There's no running plays in the air raid. Except for the draw. <laughs> okay. Do you, <clears throat> you know, I would go back and uh, I guess Callahan's West Coast offense. You know, it, the other the other term that comes up a lot is pro style offense, and that seems to mean different things to men, different people. Uh, a coach once explained to me that a pro style offense is an offense in which each separate position group has their own calls. For example, the offensive line has a call that's separate from the wide receivers, that's separate from like the backs, the backfield. And then most, but most people, when they say pro style offense, what they mean is 
they mean something they're going to see on Sunday that pretty much every NFL team runs except now we're seeing more NFL teams run spreads with the Chiefs and things like that. But um, I don't know. I guess I think that, uh, you know, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's gone through several coaches and <clears throat> they've uh, – <laughs> They've gone through several coaches and they're still the same damn team. You've had Iowa with Kirk Ferenz, and I don't know how long he's been there, 20 years? 20, 20 plus, I think. You know, and it's easy to have the same identity when you're basically, uh, you know, running the same coaching staff over and over, although Tom Osborne did kind of evolve as he was going through his years. Uh I guess the other the other side of that question is does Nebraska need to run the ball to be successful? Do we actually have to? Is it a requirement? Could we run? Could Scott Frost run his receiving core and just have success throwing the ball eighty percent of the time? And don't think about this year's receiving core; just a receiving core. I, I don't. I think if it was up to him, it'd be sixty forty run pass. I think because just like he grew up. He said he used to have that blog that blog post that if he could run Oregon's offense with a power element to it, then essentially they'd be unstoppable, you know. And Oregon, if you watched the old Oregon, you know, with Chip Kelly, they ran the ball a lot. Yeah. And uh I don't know if it might have been 55-45, but I think he'd like it to be 60-40 because if they can't stop your run, then all of a sudden the explosive plays, you know, with the pass are wide open. So uh, that's my thought on it. Todd? Well, I, I, I agree with that to, you know, to a large extent. Um, you know, I understand that uh, Frost wants to play with tempo. I understand that um, – he wants a lot of movement. Um, he relies a great deal on speed and deception. Uh, but there actually comes a point where controlling the ball for a period of time is important. And I don't think Scott Frost is too far removed from, you know, that quote unquote old style, you know, hold on to the ball and keep the other team off the field mentality. Um, he doesn't appear to me to be that coach that, um, you know, is, is gonna, you know, just come out and wing it and zing it all over the place, hoping for big play after big play after big play. Um, I know that they look for those explosive plays, but I think that there's something to be said about, uh, taking advantage of of course uh, that he has and that he can recruit and being very physical and tough. He talks physical, tough football. He talks it all the time. And, you know, physical, tough football to me means you're running it. You're running the ball. Greg, were you chiming in here? I, uh, I came in, came back very late to the uh <laughs> the conversation but <clears throat> i concur no uh, <laughs> i 
I think the the will is there. You know, I think the desire is there to play that. You know, that I don't know if, if traditional is the right word, but that more you know Nebraska esque you know version of football. But I also think the Scott Frost is smart enough to know you know what works in you know this era of of college football and and you know what at least you know I think he has an idea of what will work in uh, the Big Ten and and uh, I don't know I, I have enough faith that, that he's you know in time going to put the necessary pieces together to and I think we're seeing that you know nobody likes to see the attrition but you know when you hear that oh well remarks or comments about you know maybe some of those players who've left didn't you know fully buy into the system and you know Frost bringing in you know guys who he believes you know like a Wandale Robinson for example uh who he believes is going to buy in from the from the get-go you know I I I have no reason you know to we after Mike Riley left and we you know I feel like this is the dead horse that we continue to beat but uh we didn't know and Scott Frost didn't know exactly how bad it was um so we had high expectations especially after what he did at uh, Central Florida that I year 2 run the table no problem um it obviously didn't happen but I I I think that uh you know I think the Frost is the guy and I think that that he will do what's necessary I I I don't want to say he's afraid of failure but you know, everything I you know know and read and heard about the guy is that he he is a competitor and he will make it right to the point you know be it a hybrid I I think honestly that the way it's, it's going to be is a hybrid he's not going to lean too heavy one way or the other um, but uh, he he's going to pick his spots and and uh, and put some together that's going to make the team successful. How's that for some damn coach? Nobody, no, nobody brought up the uh, we where you got to run the ball when it's November and the wind's blowing in North South and Memorial Stadium. Sorry, because that I, always I seems to, to get brought you. up in these conversations. <clears throat> Even though I, I quite frankly think that's an anomaly, uh, because you know there's this other team uh, that's way way north of Lincoln that seems to do pretty well throwing the ball with an outdoor stadium. Of course, on the other hand, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Who would that be, Nate? You remember? Maybe. <laughs> you guys are not the bundle of energy I expected. I, <laughs> I you know, why I, I was. I guess the appropriate word would be disappointed when I learned that you're a Packers fan. <laughs> oh, jeez. And, that, wow. and, and I was like gung ho for this podcast, and then I learned that and. <laughs> And I'm thinking about stepping out right now. So um, I'm a Bears fan, and they're terrible. So, uh, but anyways, I, you, they're, they're three and one right now. <laughs> yeah, against bad teams, they are not good. They're not good. Paper Tiger is anybody the old phrase. Want to guess? Anybody want to guess what uh, the how much what the percentage the run pass ratio was for Green Bay last season? Anybody else want to guess how long, much longer this podcast is going to last if John keeps talking about Green Bay? 25. <laughs> I, I, I just remember Aaron Rodgers just – oh, man, that was the year before with McCart because yeah, you get the new coach. But at least I know two years ago, Rodgers was just like slinging it because he's like he didn't care. He's like he didn't believe in the system and he was just 
forcing it when he shouldn't, when he didn't need to. And, but anyways, Nebraska football. (laughs) This is why, this is why, this is why Nate has done his own spinoff podcast. That's no fluff, (laughs) just football. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have to, so he doesn't have to talk about the Green Bay. I swear to God, I will hit stop on this entire fucking recording, John. (laughs) Well, before you hit stop, let me just toss in just a real quick one on on the Bears. Um, When I was – my parents still have this picture. I was two, three years old, and um, somebody gave me a Chicago Bears sweatshirt as a gift. So I have this picture of myself. In, in this Chicago Bears sweatshirt when I was a little toddler. And um, my mom had written in uh, a baby book some kind of a comment about my first hero or my first favorite player was Gail Sayers. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I followed the Bears, but I was too small, too little to understand what that's all about. But I do remember, even as a small child, when Gail Sayers blew his knee out so bad that his career was over. And I remember being very sad about that. Um, and I honestly have to tell you that, you know, in the last couple of weeks, it was really kind of tough. You know, I'm, I'm 58 years old. So, you know, that was 55 years ago, 50, you know, 53, 54 years ago that that happened. But... I got I got kind of sentimental about that and hearing that um, Gail Sayers passed away. Um, and I know that the last few years of his life, you know, he was I, I won't necessarily say a complete invalid. But, you know, I mean, he he had a rough run the last few years of his life. And then that came right on the heels of, of Bob Gibson dying. Um, two of absolutely the most phenomenal athletes you know, in their respective sports. And they both came out in North Omaha. And um, like nine years apart, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And and, you know, you that that story, that series of stories that Dirk Shadling wrote a couple, you know, last year, um, 24th and Glory, I think was what it was about. And he wrote the book about that North Omaha history of of athletes. Marlon Briscoe, he didn't live on the north side. He lived on the south side, but he went up to play with all those guys. I mean, that's just insane, just insane. You know, it's sad a lot of the times when someone passes away and then all of a sudden you start hearing about them or you learn a lot about them. Like Eddie Van Halen died and one of our writers, Patrick Gerhardt, you know, huge Eddie Van Halen guy. He even posted a uh, a uh, YouTube video of this solo, uh, the song's Eruption or whatever, mm-hmm. and, I, and I messaged him, and I said, Patrick, you might be offended by the lack of knowledge or lack of admiration I have for um, Eddie Van Halen because I don't know anything about him, and I made it halfway through the solo, you know, and then, and then he said, uh, what did he say, something like, you're dead to me now. I said, no, no, I actually had to go into work. I'll listen to the second half later, you know. 
uh, so Bob Gibson dies, and uh, he, he's a, just a giant, right? And um, as far as you know, baseball, one of the greatest of all time. Played for the wrong team, but he was one of the greatest of all time. And uh, the story I liked that I heard was his. I think. I think this might be. I'm sorry if this is wrong, but he he might have been his last game he pitched. Yep, he, I know exactly uh, where you're going. Some guy hit a grand slam off. Of, what is it? Someone hit a grand slam off of him or whatever. And 20 years later, the, um, the guy hit the grand slam off of him. Uh, those two were in the same like celebrity baseball game. And uh, <laughs> Bob Gibson was pitching and this guy comes up to bat and Bob Gibson Trill. beans him. <laughs> That's 20 years later. And he, he, you know, he's like, Oh, that, that mother effer is coming. Oh, I'm going to beam him, you know? And I just love that. That's great. Yeah. I know. I know that story. Um, uh, I, I do know that story. I can't remember the, uh, opposing player's name who hit the grand slam, but yeah, you were, they were doing some some charity, some alumni type of of game after you know, like like you said, a decade later, and just no mercy, just Gibby just plunked him. It was it's a thing of beauty, you know, to read about obviously a week ago because I wasn't alive when it happened. Because unlike some people, I'm not fifty eight years old. <laughs> no offense, yeah. Todd. That's right. You're not as old as John. No, I'm older. <laughs> no, no, no. That's the running joke on the Five Heart Podcast is nobody's as old as John. That is right. I forgot about that. I wasn't there when Babe Ruth was playing like John. I, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, well, he was a pussy. <laughs> Oh, so um, so uh, Coach Verduzco came out today and was interviewed. He was on the press. He had his own press conference. The quarterback's yeah, coach for Nebraska, and he said the best quarterback will play. That seemed to be somewhat news. At least our local news ran with that, and I got a chance to watch the uh, uh, Adrian Martinez's press conference. And he, uh, I thought it was interesting. He says a lot, or I should say, he says a lot of words. They may not mean anything, but a lot of words when he answers questions. And the first question he got about Luke McCaffrey was by far the shortest answer he gave, you know. So uh, I, that's probably a good thing. I don't know, because it's like, yeah, the, Luke's going for his job. I said Luke McCaffrey's up to 205 pounds because he uh, worked out with his brother Christian McCaffrey. Um, Dylan McCaffrey, who is transferring from Michigan, uh, is, you know, he's a Wolverine, so he's obviously less, you know, he's not that great of a person. So, um, <laughs> you're. You're really picky about your sports teams and yeah, 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 yeah. That's for Kevin, our uh, basketball writer. But uh, I thought it was, I don't know. Who, 
Who do you want to start for Nebraska against Ohio State? Adrian. Adrian. Logan Smothers. If Logan Smothers starts, that's not good. <laughs> all right, all right. No, that's, uh, that's true. Allow me. Allow me. Can I? Can I change my answer? No. No, no, it's okay. You'll like this. Everybody listening, everybody recording this right now will appreciate my answer. Ask me the question again, Nate. Okay. Who do you want to start against Ohio State? Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's his best John impression, I guess. What the hell? (laughs) I do think we'll see both of them play, though. I mean, if you got Ohio State and you're going to Columbus against the best team in the Big Ten, one possibly one of the best teams in the in the nation, I think you got to run both of them out there to see what they can do to tune them up for the rest of the season. I'm really, I'm really starting to agree with the. Go ahead, Todd. Well, I was going to say, I think that this year. You know, I, I wondered a lot of times last year when, when Martinez was struggling and maybe, you know, the first couple series or, you know, two of the first three series, he wasn't doing very good. I was wondering why Frost wasn't putting, you know, Vedrill in or, or you know, McCaffrey. Well, McCaffrey was too green. I get that. But or I Andrew Bunch this year that, well, there you go. I forgot about him. Um, <laughs> uh I would think this year that I'm not going to say that if Martinez is the starter, I don't think that there's necessarily going to be a short leash, but I don't think Frost will hesitate if he is not getting the job done to, to pull him and, and, and put McCaffrey in. Uh, and I hope um, you do that with other position players. I understand quarterback is different, but if you've got both of them prepared to play, then – if Martinez is not doing the job, you know, two to three series into the game, then then look at something else. That that does you know, uh, beg a good question. Is you say two or three series uh, is is halftime too late? You know, do you make a change at halftime, or or if it if it's being genuinely ineffective, and do you have different a different set of rules, different length on the leash because it is Ohio State. And not Michigan State or Maryland or Northwestern or Minnesota. Um, you know, obviously we're not seeing all those teams this year, but you know what I mean because because it is you know the um, the the top of the conference. Do you say okay, well, shit, it's Ohio State, you know? Um, or I mean, I I don't I don't disagree with the concept of of you know throwing whatever you can at the wall to see what sticks. Uh, and see what's most effective, but do you have a different set of standards because of the competition? I guess is my question. Uh, I, I would, yes, I would say that two to three is probably short with Ohio State in the first game of the year. But in essence, I would hope, I would hope that that would be something that does happen. That you know, if it, if it isn't working, I. Oh, sorry. That's fine. Nate's got to go. No, I, I heard an ambulance outside, so I pulled up the radio, anyways. But uh, um, 
I think if you have Adrian Martinez starting, you know, you, I think that's kind of the default, right? And sure. And I think you give him a whole. I don't. Unless he's absolutely inept against Ohio State, and in all seriousness, we might be down forty-eight to zero at halftime. I mean, because Ohio State has to impress the college football playoff committee so much. I think they're going to just—they're not going to take it easy on anybody, and they might be up forty-eight to zero. Thankfully, you know it's at Ohio State. Not that part. That's not what we're thinking about. But there's no fans in the stands, you mm-hmm. know. So it's like, what's the home field or yeah, home field advantage and all that? Uh, he would have to be absolutely terrible, I think, before we, uh, you know, before you put Luke McCaffrey in. Even though it's like, man, maybe he just give us a, a a little bit of a boost, you know? What? What's this, John? You're like. Uh, no, he's. I think he's gonna run. He's gonna run Martinez out there for three series. Then he's gonna put Luke McCaffrey in with his own set of packages. Well, that's what he did last year, and that's what. And, and that's my problem is that everyone thinks Luke McCaffrey's the uh, the truth. You know, Paul Pierce of the uh, Boston Celtics. They call him the truth. Everyone thinks Luke McCaffrey's the truth. Guess what? Luke McCaffrey hasn't played a whole game his entire career. You see him in these packages where these defenses don't understand or that they're not expecting how this is going to go. They don't really don't know what to do with him. They know what to do with Adrian Martinez. You know, Adrian Martinez last year looked, I think, overweight. And, uh, you know, not that I have anything to say about that, but he also <laughs> looked injured. And his offensive line was uh, – the offensive line wasn't that bad, but his center – was spiking the ball over his head. Uh, one of the starting running backs, Maurice Washington, you know, we all know about that situation. Uh, so a- anyway, so it's like all this is going against Adrian. We saw what he did his freshman year. And so I, I hope we see that. You know, and if we don't, then, you know, we have to do what's best for the, the football team, you know, so – and you know, that's, that's why I'd, I'd run Adrian for three series and then I'd put Luke out there, but I'd put him out there with a separate set of plays. Like that you, doesn't you, mean he's going to line up in the, in the eye and run the triple option. It just means he's going to run, he's going to run different plays than Adrian would be. So, so you're saying that you're telling Adrian and Luke, by the way, Adrian's getting three series, Luke, you're getting one. And then we're going to go back to Adrian. I didn't say one. Okay. Oh, so <laughs> are you going to tell them beforehand or you're just saying, oh, this is how long it's going to last? Well, I'd probably say, you know what? We're going to have Adrian run the first three series. We're going to run Luke out there for two or three series, and we're going to see what happens. I just, I, I just don't like that. I think that you, whoever's your starter, you go with them. And then you go with them. And But I get it. I get it because it's – we have what is it, eight? Yeah, we have eight games, and we're hoping to be 500 by the end of it. And we need everything we can get to win. But guess what? If you're down 48 to zero, then maybe <laughs> you know 48 to zero at halftime. I mean, so. you know, fucking Aaron Rodgers. Okay, you're 48 to zero. Is, oh, is my Aaron Rodgers? 
You're and next. Aaron 48 Rogers. to 0 thing. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Not going to be 48 to nothing and half. <laughs> I, it might be. Did you remember last year? I understand that. They could have uh, scored 80. Oh, man. They could have. They could have destroyed yeah. us. I mean, and they did. They scored 80 or 90 points. It was yeah. pretty terrible. I don't expect that this year. I expect the Nebraska team it's, it's, it actually has more heart. And if they don't have more heart, then we're going to see a whole bunch of guys in the field that do have the heart. And uh, no, still get uh, they're going to be the guys 70. that are going to play the rest of the year. That's why it's important, I think, against Ohio State, you get guys on the field and you see what they're going to do. I, obviously, we want to win the game. And if you're in the game, but if it's 48 to nothing at any point in the game, you're putting as many guys on the field and just saying, who the fuck yes. wants to play football? Because if, if you guys don't want to play football this year, you can go fucking home. So, so if you're back. It would if have been Scott, 11 last months. Year we had guys that did not want to play football. Yeah. I, I, we just I, didn't have guys to replace them. Yes, uh, I agree with that. Uh, but if you're Scott Frost and you go into halftime, you're down 48 to zero. This is a fun conversation, right? No. And like, oh, hey, by the way, Adrian, hey, uh, just, um, you know, go ahead, take the second half off. Uh, we're going to give Luke a shot to see what he looks like. Don't worry. You're still the starter. You know, you know, is that, you know, and then all of a sudden Luke's going against the second string defense of Ohio State. Yeah. They were all still four stars and five stars and we're a bunch of three stars, you know, and he looks amazing. And so then the debate goes into the next week, you know, who's going to be the starter. And uh, I don't know. Todd, if you're a coach, do you give a fuck what the fans say about your starting quarterback? No, I know, but you have to answer the questions. Right? Sorry. You do have to answer the questions, but um, you don't. And um, I guess there's also, you know, no one, no one knows those quarterbacks any better than Coach Verdue and Scott Frost. And I think one of the things that oftentimes is missed by the casual fan is the fact that coaches have to deal with personalities and how players respond to whatever it might be. Um, you know, I love it when, you know, the gray beards, and I guess I'm one of them now, but I loved it when the gray beards would always just say, you know, they need to chew his ass, you know, why is that coach not chewing their asses? You know, they need to, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, you know what? There are some athletes you can chew their ass and you can get a positive reaction from them. And there always have been. But that doesn't work with everyone. And I coached a lot of kids for many years. And you know what? I screwed up with a few of them and because I couldn't read some of them well enough. And I might have chewed the wrong ass and then I lost that kid. Um, so I think getting back to my point here, I, I think it's really important that in the first game of the season, that regardless of what happens, that you, you walk out of uh, the big house, not the big house, the horseshoe, you walk out of the horseshoe with two quarterbacks that are feeling as good about themselves as they possibly can. You can't, you can't destroy, um, the confidence 
of either one of those players in the first game of the year. Those two coaches will handle that. They'll know if you can pull Adrian after four or five series. Um, they'll know. They'll know. And I got to trust them. Or three series. Or three. And that could happen. But it also, what happens on the other side of the ball? You know, if if after three series, if Nebraska is down um, 28 to nothing and two of them were pick six, you know, that's a whole different story. It is. That is true. You guys are some damn Debbie Downers, negative Nancys, and everything else. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I, I'm not a predictor. I don't predict games. But I think Nebraska is going to play well, and I think that the final outcome is going to be closer than a lot of people think. Now, that's really vague and bullshit, but I don't think this is going to be Ohio State running up the running up and down the field willy-nilly. Todd. You've been listening to the Five Heart Podcast much longer than you've been on the Five Heart Podcast, correct? Yep. You know what we do every game week at the very end you're of the gonna show? Make, you're going to make me do it. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you can, I don't know, have faulty internet connection again and be like, I don't know what the hell happened to Todd. He missed the last five uh, minutes of the podcast <laughs> for the third week in a row. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, we we will hold your feet over the fire on that one. It's uh, it's inexcusable that you refuse to make a prediction. I'll I'll, I'll give you my best. Uh, hey, you know what? There's another uh, a podcast, good friends of ours, where one of the hosts says every week, no matter who the opponent is, Nebraska sixty nine to three. So <laughs> if they can do that and get away with it, by God, <laughs> you know we can we we can uh, have you make up some something just as ridiculous. So, uh, folks, the good news is we are, if you're hearing this, if you're listening to this on Friday, October 9th, we are 15 short days away from Husker football. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Greg, it's been 11 fucking months since Husker football. I miss Husker. We all miss. There's a reason I'm getting all of my family activities out of the way before October 24th, because for eight Saturdays after that, my ass is going to be parked on the couch watching some Husker football just like everybody else, because nobody's going to be in Memorial Stadium. We're all going to be on our couches, except for John, who's going to be in his dorm room in his red and black checkered robe, uh, probably drinking Bud Light Seltzer no, or White Claw. I, no, there's no white claws anymore, you fucker. Oh, no. They're, Can I ask Nate a question before we go? Why he has a virtual high five on his screen? No. Nate. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, I oh, know we have a whole nother podcast that talks about basketball, but what the hell is going on with Nebraska in this tournament? I mean, what did they just suddenly say, this is our chance to take over the world and, and make Nebraska a basketball mecca? It's our chance to actually show that we have a basketball team. What the hell? Well, um, just to be clear, I am a basketball coach. I am not a Nebraska basketball expert. So uh, <laughs> I can watch film and stuff. Uh, I don't really keep up on the whole, you know, 
the news. Anyways, yeah, they had a tournament. They said they're going to have a it's called MTE. What's that? Multi team. Multi team event. Event. Okay. Yeah, and they're going to have it in Lincoln because uh, they have uh, at least two. I'm trying to think three, maybe. I doubt they're going to put someone in Pershing. That's that'd be bad. But but they have a couple opportunity you know, places they can put someone or teams. And they're going to have some tournament with some like uh, a lot of local teams, even, uh, even like LSU, I guess, is coming and Oklahoma State's coming today. And they announced that today. They're calling it the Golden Window, which somebody <laughs> that's a mistake. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that the first the first thing I thought was a uh, a uh, not a child. Hey, <laughs> no, no, not not a child safe image, you know, a golden window. I mean, that's that just a bad name and but not safe for work. <laughs> not yeah. And so they're going to try to have a tournament in Lincoln. And I think that's great because guess what? What Nebraska does Lincoln and Omaha, we can do events and we can do it really well. And this is a great opportunity because Moose is going to be like, I mean, he's going to look like a, you know, if this works out, like, you know, not as not as much money is going to come into Lincoln as, as obviously if we could actually have fans and people in bars and all that. But that's it's something. I mean, it's something, I, you know, and he's doing everything he can. And you will have all these teams and all these players see our great facilities and our great thing. Yeah, maybe they'll maybe they'll uh, transfer. You know, right? Exactly. And because uh, you know we were not very good, and I don't think we're going to be that great this year. So how we're can getting you better players than we've ever gotten before, and like ever, ever? Mm. Yeah, we have. Mm. Oh, what are you going to go with forty-eight to nothing again, you motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> Roby, okay, we we don't have a Roby. That's okay, sure. you're picking one and twos. I'm saying like he's getting more looks and he's getting, you yes. know, the talented level is is rising rapidly. Yeah, I I think yeah, and we just I I wish he was building up like a he was getting some freshmen in, but he's he's relying on transfers, which is what that's what he did at Iowa State, and so I get that, and we thought we had a kid. Or some people did that. Uh, some kid that I watched this film, and I wasn't that impressed. And some white white kid with long hair, and I'm sorry, I don't know his name. No offense to him. He picked. Uh, he picked Clinton. Oh, uh, Wake Forest, I think. Wake Forest. Yes, and he was. Yep. If he would have picked Nebraska, he'd been the highest rated player uh, to pick Nebraska and recruiting history and just when it's almost like, you know, when Nebraska football was really good, we had a lot of really good local football players right now in Nebraska basketball. They need to take advantage of the talent in the state because right now we have one, a top top 10 kid mm-hmm. in Omaha, I think. Uh, he's five star, and uh, obviously I should know his I, name. I'm, I'm pulling up. I'm, I'm 
I'll I'll tell you his name as soon as I as soon as I get it. Yeah, anyways, I'm not I'm not upset we didn't get him. Obviously, I wanted to, but uh, you know, then we have this kid out of Grand Island, and all we got a lot of talent in basketball in Omaha, and then and I mean throughout the state that if we could take advantage of that. That's going to be a huge thing for our basketball program. Hunter Salas, the number six, yeah, Hunter uh, Salas. number six player in the country. And the reason I know that is because uh, Millard North was supposed to come to my area, to Highland, Illinois. By the way, home of uh, uh, recent Nebraska player Tanner Farmer. There you go. Uh, he was uh, his. He and his team were supposed to come to their. Uh, annual shootout and he his uh, Miller North was uh, going to be matched up with Hamilton uh, Wisconsin and the number 1 high school player in the country which is Patrick Baldwin and obviously because you can't do anything fun in Illinois right now uh, that's been uh, put on hold if not canceled altogether but that's all I can tell you <laughs> Hunter Salas is his name Nate you're welcome that's my contribution. You Thank you. Is he committed? He's not committed anywhere yet. Not to my he knowledge. Like a, no. Okay. Yeah, he no, had, but he didn't put Nebraska in his final. That's right. It's that's never why too, it'll be such a surprise when he actually does pick. Nebraska. I was going to say, it's never too go. late. Never too late. So I guess. Um, we just just start gathering funds for him right now here on this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we have. Uh, uh, oh. By the way, uh, real quick regarding Hunter, uh, he has 31 offers out there. The and this is from Rivals. Uh, his commitment forecasts they do say 100% Kansas and 30% Nebraska. Somehow no, he's, not- he, he's got 130% of of commitment to go. <laughs> so you know, I think. He's got to do what's best for him for sure. Uh, and that's Nebraska, right? He Think about this. He would be a legend because he would take this well-meaning team of scrappy no-names and he would elevate them to the NCAA tournament, to a Sweet 16, and guarantee himself a first-round pick in the NBA draft. Nate. Nate, you cannot shake your head on something that you know in your heart we, is true. We've never won an NCAA tournament game ever. We've never I mean, had the like, number six player in the country either. Yeah, I know. A- a- anyways, so <laughs> can I move on really quick? Yes, I'm sorry. Still basketball. So uh, Trey McGowan's uh, received a waiver that he can play immediately for bas- the basketball team. And hit. I think his brother, if I'm – Right or is it brother? Cousin, I think. Cousin, okay. Five star player who's committed uh, Florida State um, has decommitted (laughs) from Florida State. And that was a day or a day or two after uh, Trey got the waiver to play immediately. So maybe Nebraska's gotten in on a five star basketball player. I don't know. Something to think about. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Is that it? I'm good. Todd? Tanner Farmer, since you mentioned, is wrestling 
at the Senior Nationals in Coralville, Iowa, this weekend. Um, I think he's like, uh, well, he's not seated, um, but he's wrestling in Greco-Roman. Um, and uh, that's, I, I just, I don't know. I find that a bit ironic um, that, you know, he had his football career at Nebraska and he had a decent career. And then he goes up to Concordia and on a whim goes out for wrestling at Concordia, ends up second in the nation in NAIA last year at heavyweight. And um, he's still been working out, and he's going to wrestle in Coralville at the Senior National Tournament, which is – that's a big event, real big event. So, um, Good luck to you. Tanner, Tanner Farmer trivia. <laughs> well, good luck to you, Tanner. Everybody back here near your hometown of Highland is rooting for you. You, you know, speaking of – uh, Nebraska offensive lineman who, you know, who appear to excel far beyond what they did at Nebraska lately. Nick Gates, who's a, the starting center for the Giants, is um, I guess doing very, you know, very well. And he was, you know, he was okay right at Nebraska. And someone pointed out all these. Nebraska offensive linemen over the past decade that they kind of do okay in Nebraska. They barely get drafted and then they do great. They have a great career in the NFL. And it's almost like you kind of wonder about the coaching around here, but yep. uh, Hey, I'm not Nate. I'm not going to sit here and let you disparage the good gosh darn name of Barney Cotton. You understand? Well, Hey, it is what it is. I don't give a shit. Well, the Nebraska Athletic Department continues to hold Zoom media meetings with the coaches, and Will Bolt did a press conference via Zoom this week, too. I noticed that they're doing these on Facebook with Facebook Live. But uh, I my week has been nasty, and I haven't been able to attend any one of these damn things when I got to all of them last week. So we'll see how it uh, goes with the preceding – with the weeks coming up. Especially since we're getting closer to actual football. <laughs> I like it. Good job, John. All right. Nate, Todd, as always, gentlemen, thank you very much. John. Thank you. It's an honor and a privilege every week. Gosh darn blessed I could be here <laughs> for this meeting of the minds. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, subscribe to the podcast uh, if you like having these things show up automatically on your mobile device, or, of course, you can check it out in the media player right there on Coordination. Uh, we'll see you next week, and uh, as always, in the meantime, wait, let me get this right. It's been a while. We remind you this week and every week, wow, the Five Heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red! Nate, Todd, any? Light them up, boys. Ooh, Bears yeah. just went up 17-16 over the Buccaneers. Yeah!